I Kong just beating the ever loving Christ. Out he of just me. fucking gets on top of him and just wails <laughs> on this fucking yeah. thing. Kong's got that fucking dog in him, man. Like he's fucking <laughs> knocking him down till his like. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Castle Bravo, a Godzilla vs. Retrospective. I'm Derek. And I'm Charlotte. And we're two siblings here to examine the history of the Godzilla franchise, one movie at a time. We're joined today by game critic and fellow SDGC co-host, CJ Salcedo. CJ, what's up, man? Hey, man. Oh, excited to be here. Excited to finally do another movie podcast in 2022. Yeah, we gotta get Jeff to bring back Pause for Popcorn, for real. I I had a friend, um, and I'm gonna plug something really quickly. Um, over yeah. on my my good friend uh, Adam and John, they're 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 also in Florida. They have a, mu- a music podcast called Grounds for Discussion for the number four, and they did a whole uh, where we were attempting to do like an entirety of, of the entire Batman retrospective, starting with the um, with the Burton films. Um, we did up to Forever, and then we. We skipped over to the 2022 uh, Matt Reed film because like it had just come out, so we did a whole spoiler cast. I I hope we get that back up, but I recommend those if you if you want to hear how much I how 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 terrible my 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 Batman opinions are. Just my, people my, follow your letterboxed. Dude, it, it, um, <laughs> I actually forgot to log this because I just finished it today. Uh, I forgot to log the movie we were talking about today. But yes, go follow, follow my letterbox. It's somewhere on a uh, on on Twitter. I forgot yeah. the last movie I logged on there, but yeah. <laughs> This is going to be a lot of fun because you are you are almost more than you are opinionated on video games. You are an extremely opinionated person when it comes to film. Uh, and, I, and I respect the, the spice that you bring to any discussion about movies. Um, and then also you're going to be kind of our dedicated King Kong correspondent for the rest of Castle Bravo because you're going to be coming back eventually for Kong Skull Island and for Godzilla vs. Kong. When we fucking get around to them, so I like, uh, I like gorillas. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my thing. That's my thing. You put a monkey flip. You put a monkey in something. It resonates. I'm with fucking me there. <laughs> Charlotte, how are you doing today? I'm good. Just good. Yeah, I forgot my water before we started this. That's not a good choice. Why would you do that? You know you're going to need water. Stay hydrated. Do you drink enough water in general, Charlotte? Yeah, I'm okay. forced to by the people around me. <laughs> it's fine, Charlotte. I'm working off a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse. At least I'm not doing this podcast blaze to high heavens. I'm actually no, it's, br- it's, you, only, you only do that on the live podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm actually like I'm kind of terrified to to actually edit and publish that last SDGC cuz I know it's unfucking listenable thanks to me. Nah, just leave it. Let it let it stay live. There, there's nothing there's nothing in there for anyone who's driving. <laughs> Never doing that again. <laughs> oh god. So, here's where we are so far with Castle Bravo. Obviously, Castle Bravo is a Godzilla podcast. We started with the original Godzilla. Season one was heavily based around, you know, movies that eventually became associated with Godzilla, almost all directed by Ishiro Honda. Uh, One of those, famously, King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, was kind of the moment, one of the moments that really helped catapult Godzilla 
to higher levels of stardom. And after that point, Godzilla kind of started to become the centerpiece of this whole franchise. Uh, but Toho didn't want to let go of King Kong. They they still wanted to find other ways that they could, you know, keep some of these returning stars, right? They they wanted more King Kong movies. They had wanted forever to do stuff with Frankenstein and eventually got two loosely Frankenstein-related movies out. Uh, and then the last movie we covered, Ibira, Horror of the Deep, was originally intended to be a King Kong movie until it was changed at the last minute to be a Godzilla movie. And because Toho was so eager to get a King Kong movie out, they had the the classic dream team, Honda, Subaraya, and Ifukube working on this movie, King Kong Escapes. Uh, so this is what they were so busy working on that they were not able to do a Godzilla movie, which is why Ibira, Horror of the Deep, was handed over to Jun Fukuda. We can talk a little more about whether or not that worked out or what that means for this movie. I think it's going to be impossible not to compare this a little bit against Abira Horror of the Deep. So I'm sorry, CJ. I, I, I thought this was going to be a completely standalone movie discussion, but we're going um, to be bringing the last one up a bit. Well, well, cause, okay, so I, I figured, despite being standalone, again, I, I feel like all these films kind of like are victim to being compared to the last one that came out. Yeah. Um, so like I've I've seen... I've seen the original um, Godzilla, and then I've watched um, a few of the follow-ups, right? Um, yeah. It, it, it's impossible for you to divorce any sort of, like, comparisons, right? Like, right. In, in, in tone or in in the the look of it or, it, it, like, that. Or you and I talked about it off-podcast. I, I sent yeah. you that tweet that was, that was talking about how Godzilla went from, like, being this, this cautionary tale of, like, and, and, and a horror icon to being basically the equivalent of, like, a shonen character. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You, yeah. You said you know he's, he's 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 Goku. He's, he's, he's Kaiju Goku, he's kaiju. and he's he's, he's yeah. like He's basically Mickey Mouse. He's like an icon more so. Yeah. It's like it's like the Superman thing, right? Like he he he's he's less of a a character or an imposing force more than he is a, a an icon. Yeah. So I I totally get it. You guys would have to like go circle back to whatever because it, it's just natural with these kinds of things, especially in a series that's. Where like continuity and things like that are kind of divorced, and it's mostly just it's like standalone monster films that, but that all share similar themes, similar characters. Yeah, and it, it's fine. Like it's really um, interesting because like the the Mickey Mouseification of Godzilla happened very slowly over a set of several films. Like he was clearly <laughs> the villain in Godzilla and Godzilla Raids again in yeah. King Kong versus Godzilla. You're meant to root for King Kong, and Godzilla's the the heel of that wrestling matchup. Then we had Mothra versus Godzilla. Same deal. Mothra's the one you're rooting for. Godzilla's the heel. Then we had the two Ghidorah movies, and those are the ones where Godzilla really becomes kind of the hero of the ensemble. The, the, down, the excuse is usually like the you what is it? Because the, the the early ones you introduce, it's Godzilla's like the the most powerful thing out there. What is it? He's he's up against people like Mothra and King Kong. But then I've, yeah, like you talked about, um, introduce Ghidorah, who's like all powerful yeah um you kind of have to root for godzilla's the underdog in this situation i guess right uh -huh. well and you know godzilla's getting popular and they're wanting to make yeah. these more family oriented because they're making big money on these blockbusters and and even director ishiro honda like honda likes making these really thought out really like socially meaningful movies but he also mm -hmm. likes making comedy bullshit uh he's got a good sense of humor to him so it's kind of been an interesting to watch that transition but the last movie abira horror of the deep 
was the first Godzilla movie uh, since the second one that he didn't direct. And I think it's also the one that most leans into kind of Godzilla as a family friendly icon. Um, and it's, just, it's so interesting because like they were trying to make a King Kong movie and so much King Kong DNA made its way into Godzilla by virtue of the fact that they like control F King Kong into Godzilla in the script. Um, and then this is the classic Godzilla team working on an actual King Kong movie. And yeah, it just, it turns out so weird and so interesting. And, and we'll talk more about some of that background once we get, you know, a little further in, but I think we've put this off long enough. Charlotte, what the fuck happens in King Kong escapes? What does King Kong escape from? So our story begins with the nurse, Lieutenant Susan Watson, uh, walking through the submarine when two men let her know how pretty she is and she threatens them with castor oil. Uh, And she goes and joins the commander and lieutenant commander. Those are Commander Carl Nelson and Lieutenant Commander Jiro Nomura. Carl Nelson is the most 60s pulp sci-fi hero name I can think of. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) And I had to. He, he be really sure is to, like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I just had to be sure to, to name them up front because most of my notes uh, just call them by like Nelson or Nomura. He, he really is like the most perfect stand in pulp hero I've ever seen in any movie. Like the absolute. Because again, I'm so used to the other Godzilla films being all Japanese um, cast members. This dude just does feel like the amalgamation of every single um, pulp protagonist I've ever, ever seen or read in anything. It's funny to see <laughs> when Honda does have like. an American in the ensemble cast because they always are. Yeah. Just the perfect encapsulation of pulp protagonist. This dude has thoughts about Americans and they're based entirely off of 30 cent books. Well, that's, (laughs) that's the thing with, um, you, you look at a lot of foreign films of the, uh, the fifties and sixties. Um, the other countries have a higher reverence for our, our popular art. Um, more so than we do, right? So you watch a Godard film, and he they he loves um old Humphrey Bogart noirs more than I think people here did in the sixties because we're sort of getting over the whole old Hollywood. So I I I always respect I always respect um when foreign directors are like, no, I I love this throwaway thing so much. It's it's like this wonderful wonderful, and again that that speaks to my sensibilities too. Yeah, and I think this movie almost more than anything we've seen so far feels like Honda pulling like very heavily from American pulp adventure, like mm-hmm. far more than yeah. any of his other work where I think that that inspires his brand of pulp sci-fi and horror. But this is straight up like an old men's magazine, like short story like, in a lot of ways. And I kind of love that. Like, you know, for better and worse, it's got personality. It, it it's pulling from old spy films, like it's also pulling from old comic books. Like there's like a, the, the entire like the entire film feels like a, an homage to stuff like um the James Bond films sometimes. Also, Danger Diabolic, like too. Like I yes. I, I got a lot of that. Um, the, the way that the you know the, the sets are designed, so you don't have to get ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry, but yeah, it, it does feel like the 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 ultimate like pulp like American pulp tribute and s- some slight European stuff too. Yeah. So the nurse goes into the room with the commander and lieutenant commander, and they're discussing King Kong. Uh, They show her like these giant steps in this big tunnel that were reportedly created by Kong. 
and she's like super excited to go to go see this this giant gorilla but they're like okay we're discussing it we can't actually go there <laughs> we have stuff to get done and meanwhile uh in the north pole doctor who but not that doctor who <laughs> yeah, no relation <laughs> no relation um is explaining his creation a giant robot king kong uh to a government benefactor and it's a it's a madam from a mysterious government that they never actually name um she has a name but i don't think they say it in at least the english version of the movie that we watched um the let me credits look it up. call her madam x and i don't know if that's like i don't know uh da, 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 hang on uh i have her listed as madam piranha in the original japanese version which is a, huh. a fucking name to be sure. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> I don't know a, what you have a... to do to earn the name Madam Piranha, but I think you gotta eat a guy, but <laughs> <laughs> So the Madam is saying that her government wants something called Element X, and Doctor Who assures her that the robot Kong can get to it. And thus far, only like three ounces of Element X have been found, but he knows where a hundred tons of it is, and he is absolutely certain that his robot can get to it. And this element will supposedly give her and her country uh, nuclear superiority over the U.S., the Soviets, and the entire universe, which is a bold claim. Well, at this point, aliens have shown up, so, you know. That is true. That's true. That's true. Uh, so the robot Kong starts digging its way to the Element X, but... It collapses right when it reaches the load. Uh, it's not able to to finish digging to the axe. And the madam immediately threatens to like withdraw support. But Doctor Who is like, well, if you won't give us your support, we can always give this X to another government. So she comes around on that note. Uh, back at the submarine, it the sub is hit by an underwater rock slide, and they are forced to dock at Mondo Island which is the island where King Kong currently is. This motherfucker called Mondo Island. Mondo Island. It's just Big Island. <laughs> um, Mondo just and, pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> and when, when they go to dock on this island, they use, like, hovercrafts? I fucking loved the miniatures and special effects work of the landing sequence. This little hovercraft, like, zipping across the water and actually displacing water beneath it. Like... Yeah. I, it looked I, really good. I have to wonder how they did it. And it's hard to tell. Like, clearly they're displacing the water and the sand when it hits the beach with, like, air. So maybe they've got, like, a little little fan inside the prop that's that's shooting down to do that. But... Right. Like, we had a pretty good quality copy, and I didn't see wire work. So... Yeah, I'm just I really yeah. really good effects work went into this movie. Especially yeah. with the props. So they land on the island and an old man on the island tries to shoo them away. But Commander Nelson says that the man is speaking Javanese and that they call they call Kong King Kong. And I'm really grateful that Commander Nelson can just understand this language. So uh, Commanders Nomura and Nelson head further into the island, but Lieutenant Watson stays behind. And then a dinosaur shows up. It, yeah, why not? It, I mean, why, it's up? Mondo Island. 
<laughs> there's dinosaurs on Mondo Island, obviously. So it's approaching Lieutenant Watson, and her screaming wakes up King Kong. Uh, so he shows up and gets the the dinosaur to back down for a second, long enough to like pick up Lieutenant Watson, like look at her for a minute, and then put her up in a tree. And then the first of many, honestly, kind of funny fight scenes happens in this movie. Yeah, I love, I love, so King Kong versus Godzilla did not have a King Kong fight. Well, no, he fought a, the giant octopus, but like classically, you go back to that original black and white King Kong, he fights the T-Rex, and and to me, like, that's just such an iconic moment for King Kong, and there's nothing like it in King Kong versus Godzilla, and then there was nothing like it in the uh, 1970s King Kong that we watched for another pass. So it was kind of nice to be like, oh, yeah, King Kong's going to fight a big T-Rex looking thing. This is called Gorosaurus, by the way. It's never named in the movie, um, <laughs> but it's called Gorosaurus. It will reappear later. Oh, OK. OK. Yeah, I just. Put yeah, it just looks like a big T-Rex thing <laughs> that does a kangaroo kick. Incredible design, by the way, just incredible i yeah. absolutely love it it looks like those little like finger toys you used to like yeah it's great <laughs> he's got like a weird flat top of his head uh the the skin's super pebbly and super textured and like, like the stomach is sucked in because the costume is all like we like i i i i, I loved it i love the way yeah. he showed up and i kong just beating the ever-loving christ <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> just fucking gets on top of him and just wails on this fucking <laughs> yeah. thing Kong's got that fucking dog in him, man. Like he's fucking knocking him down till his like his his mouth is foaming up. Yeah, fucking breaks his jaw, just wow. like the which again, just like the classic black and white King Kong breaks the big yeah. T Rex monster's jaw. But yeah, just just goes to town like like fucking everyone everyone lost their shit at the chimpanzee from Nope, and like this is just the exact same scene. <laughs> Well, that's that's what I loved about Peter Jackson's King Kong. Just seeing Kong, just you know, again rip the shit out of like multiple, um, multiple other like dinosaurs that are also never named, but they have like their own fucking Wikipedia entry. Yes, exactly. Uh, like like this. What is it, the 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 Gorosaurus? Gorosaurus. Yes. <laughs> oh man, that was that was incredible. Like like in what you're talking, like the effects in this in this film are incredible. Like the actual costume is great. Even though Kong looks looks kind of goofy, Kong's close, face isn't it. great, but like it's, it's so goofy. But, but the like, costume's he, he, not bad. He he conveys so much emotion with those eyes, even though they look kind of dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did just wake up, so he woke up. He was probably hungover, and then he had to fight the you know, saying some. Got to beat up a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is becoming a trend of monsters like waking up and immediately having to get into a fist fight. Just immediately whipping I, ass. I, I love it. It's it's like they're they're like, you know, Clint Eastwood and Gran Torino just grumpy because <laughs> someone's on their lawn. And then they're like, all right, fuck it. I guess I'm going to have to fight. I'm going to have to fight someone. <laughs> <laughs> like that's isn't, isn't that Godzilla's whole deal in a bunch of the movies. Yeah. Like, there are scenes where he's like wiping his face. <laughs> like, like, Going back to like, I think Mothra versus Godzilla where he fucks up trying to beat up like a tower and tear it down and he smacks his face into it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he's, he's just like me. <laughs> yeah. For real. Just like me, for real, for real. King Kong beats Gorosaurus. Um, and of course, he beats his chest because he's a giant gorilla. 
And he grabs Watson again, but after a minute, he does let her down when asked. But then Gorosaurus clamps down on his ankle, which gives our crew time to escape. And they all get back into their hovercraft and drive off. And then a sea serpent shows up. I don't know if this one has a name in a Wikipedia. No, it's just giant snake. (laughs) Okay. So this giant snake shows up, but Kong, like throws a rock at it and then climbs it's in the water like and wrestles it. It's a snake walks out there and just... <laughs> it's like me fighting with a pool noodle. <laughs> uh, so they get back to the submarine, but the submarine can't dive yet uh, because of the damage in front of the, by that rock slide. So Lieutenant Watson exits the submarine to try to talk some sense into Kong because he's like trying to shake the, sh- the sub to get to her. Um... And he goes to kidnap her again, but she she manages to talk him out of it. And everyone in the submarine is like, all right, forget our original mission. We're going to UN headquarters now because we know where Kong is and we have to tell them all about it. Um, and basically they do so. And the madam contacts Doctor Who about the report. And Doctor Who's like, I have a better idea. We can just use Kong to dig for the Element X. Because his robot didn't work. And Kong, thankfully, so, is known for tunneling through solid rock and making stairs, according right. to this movie. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I can't see him doing that. Gorillas, famous stonemasons. <laughs> right. Um, so they show up on Mondo Island. They bomb Kong with chemicals till he falls asleep. And it, they, they describe it as like a lot of ether. Yeah. It means I can accurately say that King, Gon- King Kong got fucking ethered. Yeah. The, the scene where he gets, he looks down in like the most Looney Tunes ass way. <laughs> oh, no. Um, and then like, he, all he was missing is like to look directly at the screen holding up a sign like Wiley e. Coyote saying, <laughs> oh, no, or something. Um, that was great. Again, and because the costume, like the head, he's not even looking all the way down. And those dead eyes are kind of looking up. Incredible. Just an incredible sequence. <laughs> <laughs> So Kong is, you know, passed out from all this ether. And the old man from earlier shows back up to try to talk them out of it, to try to stop them from taking Kong away with their crane. And Doctor Who just murks him. <laughs> just shoots. <laughs> just shoots Shoots him. the islander dead. Uh, now, our crew gets back to, to Mondo Island and looks at the aftermath of Kong's kidnapping. And the old man is still there bleeding out. Which I thought was pretty weird because it seemed like like an amount of time had passed before they showed up. That guy had been laying there for a while, I think. And then <laughs> the single most ridiculous line of this movie happens. And I'm like uncomfortable speaking it. But the old man says, An oriental skeleton, a devil with eyes like a gutter rat, kidnapped Kong and took him into the sky. I forgot that fucking line. Wow. I had to listen to it again because I was like, so like, oh, here's the fucking thing, right? Like, if this movie was made by anybody else, this would be straight up yellow peril, right? Yeah. Like, like when I say this pulled so heavily from American pulp adventure, like for better and worse, this is definitely the worst part. Yeah. But some fucking. Charlie Chan or like Fu Manchu shit over here. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a good. That's, that's a good call. Oh, yeah, it's not great, and I have to wonder how aware of like how fucked up this shit is. Like, 
Honda would have been. I think he was playing it up. I don't think he, I don't think he cared. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I think he he kind of had a final say on it. I don't think he would have cared. I think he, it it worked for what it was. Yeah, I, we um, can talk. Yeah. We can talk about this like after the summary. But like, mm-hmm. I, I I think it's curious. There's a couple of more factors that come into this that I'll I'll explain that really have me wondering like how much of this was kind of Honda, like how much of this is Honda's creative work and how much of this is him kind of being studio forced to do something for a paycheck. And yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. to that later, though. Yeah. Uh, so Commander Nelson comes to the conclusion that it was probably Doctor Who, who he also just knows. And in, in some wonderful foreshadowing, Commander Nelson says, oh, yeah, we'll definitely find King Kong. As long as he's not at the North Pole. <laughs> Smash cut to the North Pole. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. When I say that that Ishiro Honda can sometimes just casually be fucking hilarious, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So Doctor Who's plan begins, and he wants to hypnotize Kong. Um, He sends some troops posing as the JSDF to take away uh, the commanders and Lieutenant Watson um, to, to bring them over because he knows that Kong will listen to them. And meanwhile, Kong is fitted with an earpiece. And once the, the hypnotism is complete and he's got these earpieces on, uh, they force him to start digging for X. But just like the robot, Kong gets tired of digging. Uh, but in this instance, he, he rips the, the earpieces off. And then they're like, the beast has escaped. And that's it. That's the movie. King Kong escaped. Dun, dun, dun. dun. <laughs> uh, so the crew that was taken by the, the fake JSTF officers uh, arrives in the lab, and Doctor Who then explains that he's after Element X, and they're all put in a cell. And what? And Nelson is let out of the cell by the madam, basically to be seduced by her. Um, she says that she would give him the lab and everything, you know, if that's what he wanted, if, if he would work with them. Yeah. Um, but Nelson then accuses her of not being from any country he's familiar with. And like lists a bunch of of Asian countries. He lists like, like all of the anywhere, major ones, with. you know, like that yeah. that any generic. Like he says, like it's not you know Japan or China or uh, Taiwan or Korea, right? Which I guess leads us to like what is it fucking Laos? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. They leave it un. You never find out who Madame Piranha represents. Right, which is, uh, that's on purpose. Yeah, probably. I was gonna say like I think yeah. that's that fits with Honda's style, and that's also kind of classic of these like pulp adventure kind of stories to begin with. Is oftentimes it's it's left kind of generic. I mean, like the origin of it in American pulp adventure is because all Asian countries are the same, so like it's it's steeped in in racism. But like from Honda's right. perspective, that is also very useful because Honda never likes pointing fingers at countries. He never likes nations or governments to be the villains in his stories. So it gives him a good excuse right. for it to just be like, ah. right, right, right. Um, so of course he refuses and is put back in the cell. And then Dr. Who shows up and takes Nelson away again for a game of chess. And in, in the middle of their game of chess, he's like filling the cell that still has uh Nomura and Watson in it. Um, I can't think of what it's called. He's he's basically freezing them in the cell. Yeah. He's, he's lowering yeah. the temperature of the cell. He's turning it into a freezer. 
Um, and when Nelson realizes what's going on, he tries to punch his way out, which was kind of raw, but he does get restrained. <laughs> and, um, and then something that I need to go back and screenshot, Doctor Who comes in to the cell and is like, he can't help you. He's been canceled. <laughs> Greatest line of the moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Doctor Who goes in the cell, separates the other two from each other, uh, Watson and Nomura. And knowing that all this is going on, I guess, Kong starts just destroying his cell and breaks out of it. And because everything's starting to fall apart because of all the damage Kong's done, the crew's able to flee. But the robot Kong is sent after King Kong, who's just gunning it. Um, they're all taken to a room to enjoy a drink with the madam, who also gives a speech to Doctor Who about what a failure he is. And then everyone gets taken by Doctor Who to chase after King Kong. Uh, the madam is worried that if King Kong and the robot Kong were to fight, they would kill people in Tokyo, which is a reasonable thing to be worried about. And Nelson says that he'll take responsibility for her turning against her country because she's like, well, maybe my country was wrong to be doing this. Uh, and so she helps them all get off the ship and they're spotted. But of course, all the bullets miss because it's, it's, you know, basically a spy movie. And Nelson is able to get on shore and convince the JSDF that they need time to calm down King Kong. So the robot Kong shows up to fight King Kong and immediately in like the first punch that Kong throws, he punches the, the device off of robot Kong's head, just clean off. Uh, can't underestimate that monkey muscle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the precision is the, is the main thing. But, um, so the robot Kong grabs Watson and starts climbing up Tokyo tower and the madam pulls a gun on Dr. Who, uh, but it ends up being used on her. And so King Kong's chasing the robot Kong up and catches Watson when it drops her and puts her to safety. And Nomura's climbing up to save Watson. Um, King Kong and the robot fight at the top of the tower, but the robot Kong starts to go haywire. And while Doctor Who's trying to regain control, the madam uh, gets up, tries to start unplugging wires and stuff, but then she gets shot to death. So, Robot Kong falls down from Tokyo Tower and just, like, shatters apart. And Kong's fleeing while the, the crew's following after him. And Doctor Who's still considering, like, well, I have to get him and I have to get Watson back. So, Watson tells Kong to attack the ship that Doctor Who's on. And he does. And, like, they're, they're all firing at King Kong from the ship and it does nothing. And King Kong just rips this ship apart like piece by piece and doctor who's crushed to death by the machinery slamming around. And so with that done, King Kong just starts to swim home and like Lieutenant Watson's like calling out for him. Cause you know, he saved their lives and everything, but commander Nelson's like, I think he's had enough of what we call civilization. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. This is the fucking ending. Yeah. Honda's back. Motherfuckers. We don't end movies. <laughs> Uh, I love the galaxy brain move to be like, oh, you had King Kong climb the Empire State Building? Well, we're going to have two King Kongs climb Tokyo Tower. What now? Yeah. Excellent choice. So 
let's talk a little bit about like the monsters in this movie. We've talked a little bit about them uh, so far. Uh, we'll start with King Kong. Um, CJ, you kind of mentioned this earlier. I fucking love King Kong's outfit, and I love how much they improved the eyes, even though they still look a little dead because they're animatronic eyes from the 1960s. But man, those those that wooden face is not doing him a lot of uh, a lot of good. Yeah, it looks really goofy, and, and I, I guess that's just also like being used to what is it the 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 King Kong before this and the King Kong after like they've been they're benefited because they're 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 not like people in costumes, right? So the 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 original King Kong were like it's it's all um, stop motion, so it's easier to kind of like mess with his face to make it more expressive and then everything else has been cg um so I, I this is like a really weird balance of like it's somewhat in there they have the animatronics but it's, it they're over emphasizing certain things but it just makes it look more dead yeah um because he just looks like a husk of like a gorilla like it really does <laughs> but i but i but again like that's kind of endearing because that's sort of the whole thing about these movies it's just like the costumes are kind of goofy but it's the best way to do it yeah, it's the it's the, it's the like, I just put I just put in the chat incredible. that's that's King Kong in I believe that's King Kong in the 1962 King Kong versus Godzilla. So like you can see where it's all it's doing a lot better than this King Kong was. But oh, yeah, man, that's not saying much. I still think King Kong's costume and face in particular are one of the weakest parts of anything we've seen Subaraya do for this franchise like compare that to uh like the gargantuas i'm gonna find a pick and put him in the chat for cj uh yeah here's a great image compare that to like the gargantuas from war of the gargantuas yeah where they actually that utilize more like humanoid like it looks like more like a like like an ape yeah which they are going for more of a sort of like proto-human you know, kind of kind of style, but like they've built up off of the actor's face. And so you get to use the actual actor's eyes. And even if the nose, right. the the mouth, the cheeks and everything are built up over theirs, the eyes do a lot to sell that. And King Kong just looks dead. And I think it's weird because he's a primate, right? It's okay for Godzilla to have weird semi-dead looking eyes because he's a reptile. It's okay for Mothra because Mothra has those big compound bug eyes. But King Kong, we expect to have, you know, those those very human empathetic eyes. And Toho never seems to have captured that in their costume designs for him. But, you know, the costume looks better than it yeah. did last time. And he actually has movable, like, hands and fingers, which is good. That was kind of silly that that wasn't the case before, but oh well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if any of y'all have more thoughts about King Kong himself. No, I mean, I basically had all the same thoughts during the movie. I was like, the face is a little stiff. Yeah. You know? Well, none it's, of us. It's goofy, but endearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. None of us really talked about Mechanicong, uh, which I fucking love this Donkey Kong looking motherfucker. Incredible. I mean, it's, incredible it's crazy because. Design. It looks straight up like if you took if you told somebody to make a robot version of Donkey Kong today, 
Yeah. This is what they make. It doesn't look like King Kong. It looks like Donkey Kong. It's incredible. I love it. Is this movie like the birth of the idea for like Mechagodzilla? Um, not exactly. So, I mean, obviously Mechanicong does predate Mechagodzilla by quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure this is not the first instance of there being a robotic counterpart. Um, I will say, and this gets into, you know, some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes with this movie, but this movie was actually meant to be sort of an adaptation of an American animated series where there mm-hmm. is a robot King Kong, although it looks completely different. So, huh. but I like, I think aesthetically you can actually see a little bit of mech Godzilla's. Yeah. You know, DNA there. Yeah. You know, the way that like the joints are the, uh, you know, the kind of rising crest on top of the head with the little, little, whatever piece of electronics that is in there. Um, I think it's interesting that he doesn't have any real, we're so used to stuff like Mechagodzilla and Mechagodzilla is just loaded to the fucking gills with lasers and bombs and shit. And this is just a large metal Mm -hmm. monkey that has a waist with hand grenades. He's got a belt full of grenades and that's, that's his shtick. And I, I guess I love him. I love him even though he looks maybe the most like a dude in a suit. <laughs> Any of these have looked. Yeah, because it, it, it's just a bunch of metal. Yeah. Like, it literally does look like um like someone who put, like, a trash can over them yeah. to make, like, the worst Halloween costume ever. You know and I don't think they've gotten the look of metal down quite as well. Like, it's it's it still looks kind of airbrushed, and it looks very, like, mottled and rustic, which maybe... That could be intentional. They're going for like a very galvanized metal kind of look. But compare that to, you know, Mechagodzilla is going to come in in the early 1970s and Mechagodzilla's actual appearance of metal is just much better. But I think the budget was also much higher for that movie. So we'll give a pass. Um, And then there's Gorosaurus who, unnamed in the movie, Gorosaurus probably would have been a throwaway dinosaur thing that King Kong beats the shit out of if it weren't for the fact that they were short on monster suits for a future movie and needed to reuse Gorosaurus for a Godzilla movie. And he doesn't do much. Gorosaurus doesn't do much at fucking all outside of King Kong Escapes, but he does have a short appearance in Destroy All Monsters, uh, so because of that, this motherfucker gets a Wikipedia entry, like like CJ choked. <laughs> but but I like him. He got big head. He got big head. He got flat head. He got pebbly skin. I I really like a lot of the costume work on Gorosaurus. Uh, let me pull up a picture of him again to look at him. Yeah, that great, just that great, real pebbly skin and all those strong studio lights like reflecting off of it and. And all the little shit. Yeah, it's it's a very textured suit in a way that a lot of these costumes have been kind of missing to this point. Compare that to a lot of like Ultraman villain costumes, right? Yeah. You know, or fuck by this point, Gamera is a thing. Look at any given Gamera villain and how trashy they look. And this fucking uh, complete side monster that's only there for like five minutes of the movie looks way better 
than 90% of what you'd see in like Ultraman or Gamera. Yeah, it's like, it's like a throwaway character. Again, it's like a character meant to just yeah. get shit kicked out he of. He doesn't have shit to do. He's just a yeah. big sort of a T-Rex with a doofy head. I love him. I love him. It's like the only way to explain that this island is different. Yeah, <laughs> like they got the dinosaurs. But that doesn't Whoa. even count because there's been so many dinosaurs at this point. But sometimes it's fun when something just gets the shit kicked out of it. Like last movie, Godzilla with the giant condor. Just does it have a name? No. It just exists to get its ass beat. They, they exist because, um, what is it, in the 60s, they knew that video games would be a thing and they needed more characters to fill out a roster for a fighting yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. Hondo <laughs> so, was like, fuck, all right. Uh, <laughs> Condor. Yeah. Give this thing a name so that a, uh, like a handful of people can hyperfixate on it later and ask why yeah, it hasn't yeah, made it into the roster of a 3D <laughs> arena fighting game that seven people played. <laughs> Honda, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> so like I mentioned earlier, this movie, made by the Dream Team, it's Ishiro Honda in the director's chair, it's Eiji Tsuburaya directly overseeing the special effects, uh, and, and I thought that the special effects work, especially a lot of the miniatures work, was extremely good. Um, oh, yeah, there's there's one, there's a sequence towards the end where Kong's like running through the streets of Tokyo and like the way the cars look. Yes. As he runs. That entire scene where he's running, just him running is like incredible. Yeah. Incredible. People make, can you believe people make fun of the like miniatures and costumes era of special effects in Japan? No, because this shit looks I, yeah. great. I mean, like understanding that it's a product of its time, right? And also relatively yeah, limited but budgets. It, it's it's effective because you're it, you're able to convey a lot of actions a lot better um than you would have with um with purely using miniatures or purely using um like stop motion uh, or it's stop motion or things like that it's yeah you're sacrificing so much movement in like individual movement like you know your head or your your arms and you're sacrificing like maybe some realism but you could you, you the effect is much greater you can't tell me that what is it godzilla like the original godzilla would have worked better if you just built like a giant godzilla puppet that would just poke its head occasionally you know what yeah. i'm saying in fact uh, i don't know how long it's been since you've seen the original godzilla but like those there are a couple of scenes where he's like a head puppet coming up from behind something yeah and it yeah, looks yeah, yeah. so much worse in those shots 100 mm-hmm. because there's no there's no weight to the you know what i'm saying yeah like there's no, there's no, the impact is kind of like, I know it's like, we're like, like cars and stuff like that. Or it's like the weird, like they superimpose, um, every time you get the, the green screen compositing, right? Like oh, it's it, the worst. it never it's looks the as worst. good. And I get it. Cause the technology of the day, you know, sometimes that's the only way you can make that shot work, but there's just something about watching monsters stomp through the city and stomp on the little car and it go boom. And it's all there. It's all practical. You've got to respect that. It's what's lost now, right? Because we're so used to seeing movies where cities get, like, um, just totaled, right? Yes. And it's usually some big CGI. It's it's sort of lost. Like, the impact of, like, watching a building get, like, toppled is like lost because again it's there's no no one's physically there. Yeah. The the thunderstorm like hurricane at the beginning of Mothra versus Godzilla that wipes out the pier looks so much better than any CGI storm sequence in like a disaster. Like Roland Emmerich could fucking never. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that it's disrespect. It's just you could fucking never because you didn't create an artificial hurricane to wipe out a miniature pier. Again, and and I I get why we shifted toward we shifted away towards that, but it's like man, the math and the science that went into putting together stunts like this or sequences like this, like you can tell, and it works so much better. Like it works so well. Again, just seeing Kong dig through 
the into like the what's it called? Not Utathanium. That's where I was hard. The Element the, X. Um, and Element X, stupid, it's the generic name too. But it's it's just seeing him like again. It's just him moving, pulling him rocks out of the way. Like that's that's the thing. Yes, his face looks goofy, but like up close, but man, just him in motion, incredible. That is work. That is he, an actual actor, Haruo Nakajima, inside that suit acting. You know, yeah, everyone lost yeah, their yeah, mind yeah. that like Andy Circus was Gollum in the two thousands. Like, wow, you mean an actual actor was this thing? And it's like. Yeah, it turns out that human performance is worth an awful lot. Who yeah, could have known? It's, it's I, 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 I always, I've always, had, I've always had a respect for the um the rubber suits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've I've always had like a and again that's sort of what the Peter Jackson King Kong is like harkening back to because like you just mentioned Andy Serkis doing Kong. He's he's kind of playing it like a like someone physically in a room, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I, I've always respected it. And this movie specifically compared to, I, I, I don't think it looks any better compared to the ones I've seen. Um, like as far as like the, the other Godzilla films I've seen, cause those feature more monsters. Yes. So it's harder for me to like, kind of like judge it. You know, I've seen like, um, the King Ghidorah, the, the three head monster. I've seen all, mon- all monsters attack, like all the ones where it's just a bunch of monsters getting together and fucking shit. Yeah. Up. So it, this one obviously seems tame by comparison. But like Super Eye um, is on it with his effects work at all times. Oh, like, yeah, like everything going again, like the 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 tower scene. Yeah, so dumb. Or you know, like just the the way they cut between him holding um, oh, what's your name? Uh, we were just we we're just Susan. talking about it. Uh, him hold Susan like in his hand. Like again, they 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 work around it so well. Yes, Honda's um, a I, really I, I talented director, and Subaraya is a really talented like effects person. And and mm-hmm. Subaraya knows exactly how they need to shoot all of his props and all of his suits in order to like hide their flaws as best as possible. And Honda and Subaraya at this point have been working together for over a decade on like a dozen films. So at this point they just get each other and that synergy shows. Uh, and then um, not to be left out, Akira Ifukube on the score. Um, it, I got to admit, this is not one of Ifukube's strongest scores, but like it still kicks the shit out of 90% of like sci-fi at the time. Yeah. The, oh, sorry. Go ahead. That was it. Just, yeah. Oh, Oh, I was gonna. I'm sorry, but I was gonna say like it, it sounds very similar to the other, um, movies before it. Yeah, like it has the same sort of um the te- the same texture as like the the other guys. Yeah, Ifukube um, has definitely a like sort a of sense, aesthetic yeah. that he brings from movie to movie. And even when there's not a strong individual melody that sticks in your head like the Godzilla theme does or like mm-hmm. Rodan's theme. Like yeah, yeah. there's still a musical aesthetic that he brings. Like this is how a, a scene is supposed to sound when it's anxious versus when it's sad, you know, when it's a big action that's, scene. That's my only issue with this film. Like in, as far as like the effects or any technical stuff, there is no sound that tells me this is a like King Kong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's a thing King Kong. You know I'm saying Godzilla has a sound like when it comes to like the music or things like that, or the other monsters do. This one just very much feels like all right. Well, I'll put together this this thing. It's easy for me to do. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a King and, Kong movie. It sounds like a Godzilla yeah. spinoff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. So, I kind of alluded to this before that this is based on a uh, a Western cartoon. So this movie was actually partnered with Rankin Bass Animation. Um, 
So Toho had been looking to do more with King Kong for a few years, and I guess this partnership with Rankin Bass came up early on. There was a cartoon called The King Kong Show in the 1960s that is Rankin Bass kind of wanted to partner with Toho and, and create a live action sort of version of that show in terms of its its tone, its characters. Doctor Who would still be the villain, although Doctor Who in the cartoon looks like a weird, like, he's got little goggles and a giant egghead, and he's like a little white lab coat. He's a very, like, Inspector Gadget minion-looking motherfucker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and a lot of those elements came through to this movie, but it, it finally gives me an answer as to why Ibira Horror of the Deep was not a King Kong movie because that was originally the partnership with Rankin Bass and Rankin Bass basically took a look at the, you know, finalized script and went, okay, but this doesn't have enough of this cartoon in it. It's not enough in the spirit of the cartoon. We got to do something different. So originally June Fukuda and the B team, you know, was working on this King Kong adaptation while presumably Honda would have been working on the next stuck working on the next Godzilla thing. And this weird twist of fate where Rankin Bass at the last minute went, nah, this is not working for us. We need something new. Had them retool that King Kong movie into a Godzilla movie, kind of changing the trajectory of Godzilla some, and then put Honda finally on a break from Godzilla and gave us this kind of weird movie. And that's also where I wonder if, you know, we talked about how like from a lot of other people, this would be straight up like classic yellow peril. Um, but I wonder to what extent Honda, cause Honda's usually showed himself to be a pretty socially conscious director, right? Some of his movies have been about the exploitation of like Southeast Asian, like, and Pacific Islander women, uh, you know, especially by the entertainment industry. He's made commentary on like comfort women and environmentalism and nuclear power, all of these things. Like he's, you know, he's made straight up criticism of like kind of the direction of capitalism. Um, so it's very interesting to see him do this. And like part of me wonders, did he just turn his brain off and go like, you know what? I love American pulp adventure and we're just going to go all in. Or if this was more, him being contracted and having to Toho going, okay, look, we really want this off the ground. We're going to stick real close to what Rankin Bass wants. And this is going to be Rankin Bass's movie and you're just going to make it happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can't, I can't definitively say either way because clearly Honda is heavily inspired by American pulp adventure and sci-fi. So much of that DNA has been in his other works. So, and and I don't think I, you could have made this movie if you didn't love this stuff. I think, um, I think, I don't think it's a turn your brain off thing, but I think it's intentionally, like, like you said, it's, it's inspired by that. A, a lot of the tenets of pulp are very exploitative or are very, um, mean spirited. Yeah. Um, and a lot of elements don't hold up well at that point. A lot of the stuff that he would have liked would have been like 20 to 30 years old at that point. Right. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. Still fairly. It's still fairly like. It's like reaching its retro phase. Um, and I, I think it works for all the elements that don't age well. I still think it works because it's it's setting like the perfect mood, right? It is um it's doing everything that a um that a a ten cent story would have done like 
what would would have um would have done well. It has like the an, an evil lair and an old Asian uh mad scientist who wants to take over the world. It has these large rooms where people just kind of like hang around and play chess with like armed guards circling it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It has right, right. the the sort of merging of like analog tech built for like the future. Yes. So it it pulls all these elements, right? So it pulls all these elements. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of those elements also kind of have to be problematic. Um, At the time of this movie's release, I'm sure it was, and it was just like whatever, right? Right. We're judging it on a different era standards. This is is 1967. It's currently 2022. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that's, what is it, 45 years? It's 55 years, um, isn't it? No, 55 ah. years. Sorry, man, I can't, I, I can't <laughs> do math. So, like, 55 years worth of, like, progress. And this is a movie clearly made to, again, this is a, a this is, like, a, a different kind of, like, blockbuster. It's, like, a, a truly dumb blockbuster. I don't, I, I don't see as much of the, the commentary here as, like, I would in, like, the original Godzilla. Yeah. Um, obviously. But... I think that's intentional. I think it's truly just a, a love letter to American pulp fiction or um, an American like sci-fi uh, novel. Like I, I and I and I kind of respect that more as someone who is like who truly truly loves the the more pulpy and like gritty um, fiction that we're kind of like not seeing now. You know what I'm saying? Like what like my favorite like American film of the last like. 10 years is like Shane Black's The Nice Guys, which is also emblematic of all the problems of 70s films. Yeah. It, it, Love that fucking movie, though. It's something that I, I, I always appreciate, obviously with a more critical lens, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I kind of like it when things are a bit like gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about something that. Like, real, about something real, something a little grimy, SCG. something that's not been polished yeah. 10 ways from Sunday. Yeah, like the original King Kong is like an, an awful product of its time too. Like with the way it's yeah, of, there's um, kind of almost no know. way to do a King Kong story without brushing into racism a little bit. Yeah. Like I I know like yeah. um, Peter Jackson's tries, but the problem with that film at time, as great as it is, that movie is, it tries too hard to be the sort of Ben Hur or Titanic of like of monster films, and then it loses me completely. Yeah in that way you know what i'm saying so it's like it's trying too hard to be romantic about it as opposed to just kind of leading into being like a monster film um this kind of gets it right this is just like it's a monster film but it's also a james bond film but it's also a a a pulp fiction novel that you pick up it is also a it's so many things and then also kind of nothing at all yeah um but that's the bet that's like that's where that's the best of like what pulp does it's it's supposed to be a little bit of everything to get your money's worth yeah yeah and and like in that regard this is extremely faithful to that intent like and i do th- and you know they clearly had fun making this like if this was a, a truly miserable film with no passion in it it would have showed yeah you could tell you could you could tell, definitely tell you could tell when like what is it like the the the, the, the most cringeworthy or the most so bad it's good stuff it's always like earnest so if like you hate this movie you could still find um the good in it because you could tell like everyone here was having a good time making something that's like very over the top and very ridiculous yeah um like it's not cynical it's not gross about its racism right yeah like, it's like not, it's not, i it's can not see a lot of people sitting down and it. watching this movie and not even catching the yellow peril shit necessarily because like it's mm-hmm. not it's yeah. you know like doctor who and madame piranha like are not 
really Asian stereotypes in any way other than oh, yeah, the fact that they are filling like a role the, yeah. that would have been like a Fu Manchu role that would have been way more fucking racist. In, yeah, like that, like Christopher right. Lee would have played or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, totally. If this is an American film, fucking Mickey Rooney. Right. Would have been doing his know, breakfast at like Tiffany's. The, exactly. So, like, this is just more like... I, Maybe giving it too much credit, but I guess sort of reclaiming a lot of the Yellow Peril stuff for yeah. just like, no, you know, yeah, we've seen what it's like with Fu Manchu and Charlie Chan has have done to like the have done to like the culture. Like, let's just kind of like put our guys at the forefront of it, but not lean into any stereotypes because it's just like this evil scientist who's like a James Bond. Villain. Yeah. And let's be real. You Doctor Who is a bad motherfucker in this. Yeah, like he, he murders. This dude's like, gigantic. His, his fucking hair, his eyebrows on point. This is this is fucking. This dude has M Bison energy, and I love it. You got that <laughs> dog. Um, straight up, though, he murders people. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he I've kills never, two people. Like that's my thing. In all the other Godzilla movies, a lot of the human conflict never ends in like murder. Yeah. Right. It's mostly yeah. bureaucratic bullshit or just people like having like problems in their personal lives. This guy is just like fuck it. I have a gun. Yeah, look at this <laughs> like, fucking upgrade as we go from the cartoon to the to the movie. Ishiro oh, no, Honda like really lot, went actually. like, "Fuck this cartoon! I don't give a fuck what you have." <laughs> he looks like Mr. Magoo. <laughs> I love him, bro. I love he kind of does. Um, I I love him, but yeah, no, I like the hair. I like that he's dressed like um, like he belongs in like uh like the prison or something. I again like this re- is really pulling from like so much of like the culture at the time and like. The movies that came before it, like he really is a Bond villain. Yeah, he's a Bond villain who's yeah. just pissed all the time. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's perfect. I love him. I love this movie. He he gets really weirdly like horny to like kill like people. He was talking to what's her name when they're like, "Hey, what are you gonna do with um? What are you gonna do with like these guys when you're done with them?" And he's like, oh, "I don't know. We'll see. You know, like well, we'll take care of them." And <laughs> it's just like the way he comes up. Like again, he's like a slime ball too. Yeah, (laughs) it's super interesting. And like, I'm almost sad that because we haven't gotten a ton of straight up like pulp adventure from Ishiro Honda, at least certainly not in Castle Bravo. And most of the is this where it ends for Honda? Not exactly. So like doing this kind of movie, the the next couple of years are going to go. Um. So like next is going to be Son of Godzilla, which pops. That's that's very pulp adventure, actually, in a lot of ways. But that goes back to Jun Fukuda, who did Ibira Horror of the Deep. So he's really is, if I remember, recapturing the energy of that movie very well in this blend without, of um, pulp adventure and sci fi. Without dwelling too much on it, because I know like, you got to save it for that. It, that's the one where like you're introduced to like the fucking his son. Yes. Or, like, his little yes. Weird looking like Pillsbury Doughboy looking. Uh, right. Um. <laughs> I, I, I like that's less pulp, and I think that's just more like Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, you don't remember that movie very well. Uh, see, that's one yeah, I've actually maybe. seen in the last decade, and like, yeah, like uh, you're the only person who has I know, like, I guess. <laughs> but like, <laughs> that whole movie is about like fucking weather control machines and and giant insects on an on an undiscovered okay, island. That's that's still Saturday morning cartoon. Stuff yeah, but describe. like, like in still. a pulp in a pulp sci fi adventure kind of way, like. Like it, there is some Saturday morning cartoon energy though. The, like you're right. Um, but then we're going to have destroy all monsters, which is, is Ishiro okay. Honda, but that's him going back to the same energy he had with the two Ghidorah movies. That's a, a big 
you know, sci-fi blockbuster. Um, he's going to do a basically a children's special with Godzilla's Revenge that is 80% stock footage. Um, and then I don't know what he does for the next couple years, but he comes back for Terror of Mechagodzilla, which very much in line with the other stuff he's done, and that's his last movie that he ever does, period. Um, I think he retires and just goes to, like, be an assistant director for uh, his friend uh, Akira Kurosawa at that point. So, um, it's just sad. There's not many opportunities to see Honda do weird, just straight up pulp adventure. And I kind of like these diversions where we've gone off the course and like how Matango was just a horror movie. Right. Right. And, um, and, and this was just like an old, yeah, like a 10 center, you know? So I I love that. And I'm going to miss that when, when he's gone, but that's okay. The, we march forward as, as we must. So final verdict on the movie. Sad. Good movie. Fun movie. Fun. Fun is the word I'm going to use. It's, it's a mixed bag, but yeah. there is a lot to love and there's a lot of heart. Like you said, CJ, it's super earnest. And I think that means a lot to me. I'd rather have a messy um, earnest movie than look, I love my Marvel bullshit, but like, there is a huge difference in the amount of soul put into something like this. That's sort of the running theme, I think, of these movies, right? Because even the the weaker ones are like the ones that are just kind of like where you sit back and think, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah. <laughs> There's still like a level of like, they're earnest. I mean, it, it, these guys got to put on suits and like jump around and knock shit over. That takes a lot of work. Yeah. And they're all they're all enjoying it. You get what I'm saying? It's This is a hard sell. I'm sure it was a hard sell back then, too, to be like. I'm going to make a a monster film that's a, a nuclear allegory, but I'm going to need you to put on this rubber suit. Yeah, no one's ever done me. anything like <laughs> this before. We're going to just layer so, 150 pounds of foam and rubber and then, on like, you. And then 100 movies later. And then later drop whatever, you out of a fucking some, crane. Like <laughs> 100 movies later, someone's like, okay, I'm going to need you to dress up like a gorilla and beat the ever-loving Christ out of, like, your co-worker who's dressed <laughs> as, like, this lizard that, like, foams out of, like, with foam out of his mouth. Like, I I, I enjoyed it. It's dumb, but it's dumb in the same way that most films of this era are dumb. Like, it's it's fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's a, like, we dug into a lot more than I thought we could have. And it's still very fresh in my mind. I literally, like, finished this movie 20 minutes before we started recording. That's a good way to do so it. I'm still thinking of, I'm still thinking of a lot of the fights, and I'm still thinking of, like, again... The, the, like I told you, the sequence of him just walking around Tokyo is, is like, excellent. Incredible. I like, love shit like, like that. I'm, just, I'm, I'm like blown away. I'm like, yeah, it's like it's the same effect that it had, like the that Kermit riding this bike in the first puppet movie. Had yes, like, where it's like, oh my god, how do they do that? How do they make him walk on this bridge? Or like, how does that car it's like, driving? It's like me next geeking to him? out about the little lander sequence when it comes off the boat and just kind of scuttles over the water displacing water and sand as it lands. Like you're just it's like such oh. a dumb thing, but it just. Yeah, like it blows my mind that again, like this is 1967. Yes. I, like again, like how did they pull off a car driving by King Kong? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I want to know like how they did that with the the perspective and everything. Like how how did that like, that that's that's sort of where I'm at with it. Yeah, and and it was these three that really pioneered so much of this. So like, you know, nothing but respect. Even even when they miss, which is not often and not by much. Like, it's still an incredible time. And if you're somebody who cares about movies, there's so much to love in picking these things apart. Uh, I, yeah, someone who's, so like me, I'm not as well versed in like things like anime or or mecha stuff or kaiju stuff. But man, 
there's a reason why like the show era is like um collected in the criterion collection because it's like there's so much to pick apart yeah they're that you can view them as like dumb but this is uh, film and production like history right here oh, exactly it's like the most it's the same you know what i'm saying to us we're like blown away by all the stuff but like in japan it's just literally like another movie that they watch here it's just like we're picking apart everything we're like talking about it, it's incredible it's the same way reason why we love like samurai films so much here because there's so much to pick yeah. apart in, in it's the like the spaghetti western I, I, you know fucking italy becoming obsessed oh, with western cinema like and doing the cowboys spe- speaking shit. of spaghetti hold up there's one point i wanted to bring up because speaking of spaghetti westerns the adr is incredible because everyone is speaking their native language. Yes, because clearly the Americans are speaking English and it's just them. But then, yeah, you have to dub over <laughs> everyone else. Incredible. <laughs> that, like, literally, it felt like I was watching um, Spaghetti Western. Because that's how it's they do super it. Super nostalgic. Like, they, oh, I love it. Oh, my gosh. And even the Americans are dubbed over, yeah, too. Yeah, they're dubbed like, over by the different they, Americans. Like, incredible. They didn't even get the yeah, same I read people. it. I think they let Nelson dub his own lines, but yes. I read that like they wouldn't let Susan redo hers because she was just considered a model. Yeah. And not so a voice actress. had a different Which actress do her voice lines. Like, it's incredible. The, the, yeah. The guy who played Nelson was like a TV guy. So I think like they, they, because he literally, if you look at his credits, he mostly did TV. He was like a, a TV player for Warner. So like I, you could tell like he's kind of more natural behind the mic. He's the, he's the only one who sounds like he's like actually speaking. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't sound as like jarring to hear him like be dubbed over, but I love that. I'm like, holy shit, it feels like I'm watching a, a spaghetti God, western this, again. Th- I mean, this really <laughs> takes me back watching stuff like this. This is what I've loved so much about doing almost every movie in Castle Bravo. Is it's taken me back to you know those days of picking up you know some of these movies in like Blockbuster, you know what I mean, and going mm-hmm. home and being like seven years old and watching you know fucking Godzilla's Revenge on VHS. So, oh, yeah, this movie fucking ruled. That's my that's my final verdict. This movie fucking ruled. Even the bad parts fucking (laughs) rule. Charlotte, what you got for me? I mean, it was good. (laughs) It was good. (laughs) It was a good movie. Um, I kind of I feel like I like where we're going in general with like the. The pacing and the the. I feel like if we continue on this track, we're going to lose a little bit of the theming and that's going to suck. That's been happening like like, over time for sure. But the movies keep being good as hell. So, right. Like the the movies themselves are getting more constantly entertaining. We had a couple of, we had a couple of interesting movies that weren't fun to watch in the first season for sure. So, yeah. 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 That's what I just ruled. Well, folks, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us on our journey so far. You can, for now, follow us on Twitter for more of our sparkling personalities. I'm at Derby City Derek. And I'm at Vicero Complex. That's V-I-S-C-E-R-O-C-O-M-P-L-E-X. CJ, you got any pluggables? Uh, go to GameCritics.com. Read my Sonic Frontiers review um, because I spent a thousand words writing about why Sonic is the greatest. You're going to single-handedly convince me to actually get Sonic Frontiers. You know that the the first thing I did when I turned 25 was rolled credits on that game and immediately write almost 1,200 words um, about uh, about Sonic Frontiers. Like that. That's what I did. I, I I'm on my 25th. You're birthday. fucking legend. Hold out of work to to talk about Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> So please go 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 read that review. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if it's three years later that you're discovering this episode, go read that review. 
I'll, I'll, I will DM me personally. I'll, 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 I'll have a backup of it. I'll, It'll I'll be so. You'll get the Google Doc version. I'll, yo, I one hundred percent. Uh, and you can follow the show itself at Castle Bravo Pod for production updates. Take care, everyone. Castle Bravo is a production of Derek Van Dyke and Charlotte Landale. All editing is performed by Derek Van Dyke. Special thanks to Kyrie Lamont for our art assets and to David Van Dyke for our theme song, Pools of Memory. <laughs>